Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse. Autumn Angel's picking her back. Tropical Sport grabbed by Autumn Angel. She's got her. Buffalo River, 150 metres to go, a length in front of Climbing Star and then cause for concern. Buffalo River going strongly and Buffalo River wins the race for the second time. West Wind blows at the 200, without a fight runs on, lays in on top of Gold Trip. West Wind blows 100 to go, without a fight coming at it, without a fight. West Wind blows the hitch in unison, without a fight, without a fight from the Caulfield Cup. The breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate. Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday the 30th of October after a phenomenal Cox Plate weekend that lived up to all of the build-up, all of the hype. It was an outstanding race on Saturday and we are going to dissect it all. There's plenty of news to come out of that race as well. Where does the beaten brigade, where do they go? Do they run on Champions Day as well? Will the win of Romantic Warrior open up the floodgates for more Hong Kong horses to compete in our better races? Uh, we're going to talk to a number of the stars and relive those big moments. And as always, we want your thoughts and your input. You can SMS us on 0416 90 50 52 as it gets even bigger. Now we count down to Melbourne Cup Week and I'm looking forward to getting the thoughts of Manny Stewart and Hong Kong Hutchie, who is still <laughs> dancing with Romantic Warrior landing in the Cox Plate. He's been solid all the way through and Hutchie, he delivered on Saturday. Great race, wasn't it? Yeah, it was cert- he certainly did and uh, they were pretty ha- happy about it. Danny Shulman, the team, and rightly so. How about the drama around the photo? I was watching oh. from home. I couldn't tell who'd won. I, I mean, they went into that shadow. That was the only negative for me on the day. Like, I, I wasn't sure who won. and I No know one was, could tell. Even if it was, like, well lit, so to speak. I, I don't know if you would have picked it because it was literally what it was, a, a, like a nose. Yeah. So, great race. Do we have a shadow elimination policy brewing? Or? <laughs> well, Hutchie's got a plan. You've got a plan, Hutchie. Well, can you, you turn the lights on or plan? something? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, can we can we light it up a little bit? Uh, obviously, the camera just couldn't quite adjust to the lighting because it was right mm. on as they sort of went right across the line, wasn't it? So, But, yeah, it added probably to the theatre of the race in a, in a way. <laughs> the mystery. But it happens at Ramwick a lot. When they gallop up the hill in the, in the Epsoms and Doncasters and they disappear. It's yeah. probably, we're being light-hearted about it probably suitably, but it, it's probably worth trying to come up with some way of getting rid of the shadow if you can have some sort of lighting or something because they really did gallop into an abyss didn't they and then you go whoa what's happened there <laughs> it, it, I don't think I noticed it anywhere else in the world it's only going to be for a couple more years um, because then the new reconfigured Moody Valley yeah. track won't have to worry about that but other tracks in Australia have it it seems to be in Australia Ramwick's a shocker for it so whether um, who did you think had won on the line I actually thought Romantic Warrior had just got his nose down. Gee, I thought Mr. Brightside had won. Where I was sitting in the grandstand, I was a little bit past the post, so obviously it probably favoured the inside. And I felt very sorry for Team Hayes because they were about 10 metres away um, and they thought they had won. They were celebrating, punching the air, high fives, hugs, kisses. And, and then and I the was black and white streamers watching, came out at the same time. I was exactly right. I was watching them and then... 
the photo went up that it was Romantic Warrior, and they kind of turned around and were like, "Hang on, what? What do you mean? <laughs> what What's happened? happened? What's yeah. happened here?" Well, I wonder why they were so sure because it was obviously a touch and go. Yes. I don't know how they thought that they were. Anyway, I feel a bit for them, but I actually think in the bigger picture, the the right horse won for what, what this may achieve. And mm. Hutchie, this may may not occur because, and you would know better than us. You're you know more about the logistics of Hong Kong racing and and so on. But I, I, we've been discussing it for a long time how we just don't seem to be part of the world stage when it comes to the, the mega horses like the flight lines and equinoxes and enables and so on. But the regional thing is something that we've always felt that, God, it'd be nice to work in with Hong Kong and dear old departed Singapore. And if the Golden 60s and... You know, whoever they are of the era, if there was some sort of a sense that at some stage we see them once or twice and they see us once or twice, and because we've dropped off December, haven't yes. we? Here, we've yes. really dropped off. We just yep. don't go there anymore. We haven't so. had much participation there. And I think there's a couple of things. I, I mean, with I think Hong Kong will probably be encouraging it with the whirlpool, wanting to sort of you know take more and more meetings around the world. You'll need that sort of participation from different parts of the world. And to get everyone behind it, so and and pundits will get behind it as a consequence, as we saw on the weekend with Hong Kong. Happy to continue to back their local mm. horse, and that'll continue to happen as well. But outside of that, what really needs to happen, I believe, is that we need Romantic Warrior to go back and probably win in December. Yep. So you need to have a horse come here and perform, and then show they and can show they can yep. go back. Mm. If they, if he does that, it paves the way. All right, we can go and do this now. That would be the bigger concern. Sort of going As he got forward. one more in him, because because yeah. the Australian part of it was so successful, wasn't it? Because they would have thought, oh gee, how do we logistically do it? He's going to be underdone. Oh, the Turnbull's there. He came through that okay, and then he he survived Werribee, even though it's not perfect. Mm. And so, part A has been achieved. It's just now part B, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think he needs to go back and go well. And I saw, we've saw on the weekend. We'll talk about it later, Michael. But the form around him continues to stack up because, of course, prognosis was placed behind him back in in April or, yeah, in the QE2. And we saw Prognosis placed behind the world's best in Equinox there. Ran third behind Equinox. We'll talk about Mm. Equinox as well because um, the time it runs and it does put a literal shadow uh, on everything else that is is done around the world as far as racing is concerned. The funny thing about Prognosis was, I mean, they got close enough to Equinox. It wasn't Mm. like it was 15 by 7 in 155. So I think it it makes Equinox not touchable, but he's not out of sight, you know, so... Let's relive the closing stages of the Cox Plate. We'll hear from the winners a little later in the program. Going to have a chat to Mark Zara as well, who made a very important decision after Gold Trips run on the weekend. And J-Mac now, after winning two Cox Plates in a row, finds himself on the Melbourne Cup favourite after his win in the Cox Plate. Alligator Blood is right there. Romantic Warrior, four deep, a length and a half off them. Mr. Brightside off the fence, needs room. And then came Jewess into the straight. Alligator Blood at the 200, took the front. Romantic Warrior, the outside. Alligator Blood at the 100. Romantic Warrior, Mr. Brightside. Still Alligator Blood. Mr. Brightside coming at it with Romantic Warrior. It's a photo finish. Mr. Brightside or Romantic Warrior. It's a photo This means so much. I've got so much faith in this horse and, oh my God, I kind of got beat and the camera didn't follow me and I just went, oh, I can't say what I said, but I can't believe we won the Cox Plate. 
means so much. I've had so much to do with him. I've been singing his praises, how much he's improved. I needed to get a good run. And I felt I gave him the best possible run I can and could, I should say. And uh, we won the good fight, baby! I want to say, I come from Thailand, Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Jockey Cup, Danish Jump Team. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. I'm really happy. I don't know how to tell you how happy I am, but I tell you, I'm really, really, very happy. It will be a great win for the owner, and I'd like to thank Peter. Peter, the owner, made the decision to come here. James McDonald, all the team, all the Hong Kong fans. My wife, Christy, my son, Aaron. I love you. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> How good is that? Oh, look, the that... emotion of both J-Mac and then Danny yeah. Schumann. I, I, I met Danny and his family on Saturday out there. He had his kids here and his wife as well and uh, just lovely people. And he has been so open with the media, hasn't he? Obviously, yeah. um, you know, his English is very good, but it's not... 100% great, but he's fine. He's better than our to... Cantonese anyway. But uh, but, he, uh, <laughs> but he's more than happy to put himself Absolutely. out there and chat he, to everyone. He endeared himself, I think, to everyone with his love of the horse, with his openness around everything. That raw emotion that you saw there, mm. you don't see that in Hong Kong. So you can see that the yeah. build-up meant here, what it meant for them to come away from home, to have a plan, execute it, get the result in a tight finish. I mean, you'll see their post-races interviews in Hong Kong and the internationals, and it'd be like that on Xanax or something, you know, just be yeah. way more low-key. So it, the because moment got he, to him. He would have felt a lot of pressure after that first up defeat and a lot of people riding the horse off, going, what have they done? He's not the star. He's in a bubble over there. So they would have felt a lot of pressure, I imagine. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he'd always stuck to what he said in terms of its preparation. Now it was it was behind the eight ball, mainly because he missed that trial before mm. he left. So they were playing catch-up. And, and James and him, Matt commented several times, thank God it's three weeks because we're going to need every bit of that three weeks between runs. Yeah, and I think James McDonald's elation was a bit to do with the fact that this was a project for all of them. He was right in this project right from the start Absolutely. six months ago and probably encouraged it and all that sort of stuff. So McDonald's probably thought, God, if this fails, I'm, I'm part of this, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I, I think that was... That was one of the reasons why they were both so overjoyed is it was like a, a well-executed plan that didn't go smoothly, but they got there anyway. Um, and I think James McDonald, you think of a Kiwi kid growing up on a farm and the era that he grew up in was the era of New Zealanders coming over and winning the Cox Plate. So James McDonald, his whole life, thinking, I know what the Cox Plate means because I come from New Zealand. I know exactly what it means. Mm. So um, tell us about Danny Shum. Is he, because as you say, like, um, whenever any other international wins a big race here, um, they're kind of, you know, the reserved Englishman mm. and the Irishman and the, oh, this is great, you know, the lads are happy and rah, 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 and then we go home. And But this was a really um, spontaneous... Yeah, genuine. Emo- it was authentic, though, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think I, I think Danny Shum is is much loved here now. What's his, what's his story? He, well, Danny was a, a jockey back in the day. He worked under Ivan Allen and was, who was a prolific trainer, of mm. course, who was based in Singapore originally. He, and, he's and the revered legend of the past, isn't he, Ivan Allen? He is, yeah. and, but Danny was a big cog in that wheel and uh, Danny, of course, as we've we've highlighted, had gone to Royal Ascot, took Little Bridge over there when Zach Purton wasn't yeah. Zach Purton and they managed to win there. So he's been well, he, he's well credentialed. He's been a prominent trainer in Hong Kong without a leading trainer for his career and this would uh, this would be 
oh, right up there with these highlights with Romantic Warrior winning the QE2 or the Hong Kong Cup or whatever it may be. But, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic trainer, that is for sure. Would well, just thinking a bit laterally about where this race is and the Turnbull and then the Hong Kong races and then the, the other carnival you have over there in about April? Yes. Wouldn't it make sense now, say the VRC with the Australian Cup, if you think about it in the context of a four-month period of these races and the Hong Kong horses tend to stay floating about between the two international meetings, why wouldn't the VRC now be absolutely wooing the hell out of the, the Romantic Warrior crew or any other crew with that sort of horse to get them here for the Australian Cup into April? Would that, like a stopgap, yeah, would that I mean, work? Look, it's, it's certainly... You've got to look at all those options, don't you? Mm. I, I haven't thought about it too much, but if we can get... You know, you'd love to see the series of those top-end talent over two th- over all of those distances, 12, 16, 2,000, and totally. take each other on. And, yeah, there's got to be there's got to be room for that somewhat stage, I suppose. Well, I'm not sure if Winfred is still here, but you'd like to think off the back of that that Andrew Jones, Matt Welsh, Winfred, or that, they're, that they've, they've said, well, like, hey, can we have a conversation? Can we sit down and work out what we can do with this, um, like, administratively? And then it's up to the trainers to, to come along for the ride. Like, But we need to have this conversation almost? Yeah, I mean, that's how... I mean, with the, with the international races in Hong Kong, that's why they picked out December because that was the void mm. in the gap. So, mm. it, look, it doesn't suit everyone. It's at the end, end of the season for just about yep. everyone and it's in between for Australia. Yep. But yep. if you target it out long enough, it it works. But I would love to see something like that um, going forward. But, mm. you know, we were treated and it was, it was great. I think it's great for the race and, you know... Cox Plate's always a great race, whether or not a Hong Kong entrant or someone from overseas comes or not. It's still a fantastic race, and it was again this year. And it just the finish and on the you know 200, 300 to go, yeah. all the names were there. Brightside was they there. all ran alligator up to And Romantic Warrior was the only one that was high up in the world rankings. So for him to nose out the two well-known Aussie horses, kind of in some ways elevates those two horses yes. a bit too, doesn't it? It does. We'll talk about the beat. Well, take a break. We'll talk about the beaten brigade because there were unlucky runners behind uh, Romantic Warrior and J Max ride on Romantic Warrior was eleven out of ten. It was absolutely brilliant. There were a few good rides and a few questioning some other rides in the Cox Plate. Uh, just a few SMSs before we go to the break. Uh, Michael, the Cox Plate was one of the best ever, but is there a problem with field sizes over Friday and Saturday? 13 of the 18 races had eight or less. And Hutchie, we were talking about this earlier this morning. I think if there was one disappointment out of a phenomenal day was that a number of the races were lacking depth. It had to be a disappointment. It yep. just had to be. I know, you'd, look, you don't always need numbers, but it was quite noticeable across the two days mm that numbers were down. And even on Caulfield Cup Day, uh, some of the yeah. uh, other races were, were down on numbers. Now, is that because of the, the Sydney effect? Has the huge prize money on offer? Well, we haven't seen there? the amount of Sydney well, horses putting come on down. Lots, we're putting on more races. It, it's going to play out over Cup Week because we've got mm. 10, 20, 30, 40, 38 races. 37. Over, 37 races over seven days. So... But a lot of them are... Some of them are restricted races to flesh out programs and they usually get... You always get big fields over Cup Week. Well, you always get big fields over the previous two weeks no, as well. No, Cox Plate Day mm. has normally been a day yeah. where there haven't been huge fields, but not to the extent mm. that it was on Saturday. Yeah, it's, there's been a noticeable drop-off. And, mm. and uh, you, uh, without having sort of forensically gone through it all, it doesn't feel like there's been that Sydney participation to the same level. And you can understand with the prize money that's on offer there that a lot of them have stayed north of the border. Well, and a leading trainer rang me earlier today and said... 
Uh, I've got a runner in a feature race. Uh, seven of the best jockeys are in Sydney next Saturday, and I'm not scraping the barrel, but but I'm I'm, I'm going to go with the jockey I've got. But, gee, who'd have thought over Cup Week at Flemington that you couldn't throw your, your silks into a room and get a, a megastar yeah. jockey? So, um, that, That's one of the Sale Cup yesterday was a terrible field, so maybe it's playing out everywhere. It was it was a really weak field in the Sale Cup yesterday, in the thin the, field. Apart from the field sizes, that's one of the more disappointing <laughs> factors, I think, that we see. You know, on those feature days, well, some days, sometimes they can complement each other and they can both get a boost, and I appreciate that. There's other days where you want the best of the best all competing against one another. So... How that plays out, how you fine tune it to make sure they're in one area, I don't know. Sadly, I think those days are now gone um, because Sydney's making it a, um, a an absolute, I suppose, plan and point to say we're going to put the biggest prize money races on these days because we want to keep our local talent here. We don't want our jockeys, we don't want our horses heading to Melbourne. We want them racing in Sydney. And Peter Valandi's been very open and honest. He said, I'm not here for racing as a whole. I'm here for racing New South Wales. Mm. If it affects the quality of races in Melbourne, I don't care. Um, it's all about making the Sydney racing as strong as possible. So that's why you've got your $10 million Golden Eagle, you've got a $3 million Giga Kick uh, on Saturday and you've got other races worth over half a million dollars that are average races because it keeps some horses that might come to Melbourne and race in $300,000 races at home. But the problem with Volandis' mindset is that he doesn't achieve what he's trying to achieve because he's, he's he might be keeping the, some of the Sydney horses in Sydney, but he's putting up three, four, five million dollars and because the, 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 the horses are split, still split between Melbourne and Sydney, he's not getting good fields anyway. He's just putting on a ridiculous amount of money for fields that aren't creating a great deal of interest. Mm. So, And I think at some point we do have to all look at the game as a whole. We do. The wagering dollar mm. will be lost. I mean, it's hard enough when you've got the point of consumption tax, etc., taking out of our sport. So uh, ultimately at some point we're all going to need to work together to make sure that we hang on to our customers. No well, doubt about that. <laughs> and just just on that, that's why these Hong Kong World Pool races are so important for the individual clubs. Not Racing Victoria, but Mooney Valley um, will have maybe got a million, a million and a half out of the Cox Plate with the world record turnover on that World Pool and having the Hong Kong um, input there, which is huge for an individual club. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, the want from Racing Victoria and the individual clubs is to try and yeah. partake in that wool pull as much as often. Definitely, and and it's the you know Hong Kong, I believe, even in their own domestic pool, might be you know sort of fighting some pressures, and the and the upside for them going forward is a lot of you know they're, they're restricted in terms of the amount of meetings they can have per year. So all of a sudden, where the growth can come from internationally, Australia has to make sure that we're on the front foot and at the front of mind with regard to that. Yep. Uh, a few SMSs here. Why didn't Bella Nipotina defend her title in the Manicato? Well, it's because the prize money in Sydney um, has been too strong and they also I, have... I've got to say, I, was, I, was, I know the race is really affected by the Everest of Manicato, but I can't believe more haven't... It's a $2 million race. ...targeted or or had a... Had a and Imperator has obviously been there. It's good, still good prize money up. 360000 around second, Sydney. third, and it seemed like a a massive chasm between Imperatrice, as the market had it, at a dollar thirty or whatever in the field. Like, you would have thought there's a few others that could have gone well, there. Well, it, it, I don't think there was a... Because I think there's going to be a chasm between her and everything else from now on, no matter mm. what you pit her against. I mean, until the barrier incident, Buenos Notches was a legit Everest-type 
rival, but he came out. I think out, he would have run second. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying... Bold call, Michael. I think they <laughs> they kind of... The, the best of the rest turned up, but what's more interesting to me is what's going to turn up at Flemington in two weeks' time in right, the sprint. Let's hold that thought. We need to take a break. We'll come back. Uh, we've got more SMSs, and I want to talk about the beaten brigade in the Cox Plate as well. Ah, you are listening to The Verdict. This is one of those uh, songs that would get Hutchie up on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. You, Better believe it. doesn't take much to get Hutchie yeah. on the dance floor. <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even have to have a song when he's up on the dance floor. <laughs> no, mate. You've got to enjoy yourself. You know that. Absolutely. Uh, let's have a listen to The Beaten Brigade. There were a few hard luck stories in the Crocs played on Saturday. This is what the jocks had to say. Victoria Road. Uh, look, we uh, had a nice run, followed the winner. Presented there at the 400, but he just just never went on with it. So, face uh, value, he's showed disappointing. Damien Lane, Zaki. Super. Just had to do a little bit of extra work from the gate. As a result of that, over-travelled his Hutch mid-race, but thought he was very brave. Jamie Mott, my Oberon. Yeah, I was happy with him. Um, would have loved to have used that gate a little bit more, but um, just didn't step in nasty quick enough. But I thought he'd go well. Mick D, King, Colorado. Yeah, we jumped well, went forward, um, tried to utilise the lightweight, but he just couldn't sustain it. Mark Zara, Gold Trip. Yeah, he ran well. Um, we were tightly knit coming into the home bin, um, got out and um, obviously a bit firmer ground, come back and trip. I was never going to have the sprint, but he closed off well. Zach Lloyd, Militarise. Yeah, he's, he's a lovely culty. here. Um, just early on the race, he just got over racing, a touch of all the pressure going into the first bend, so probably just had to come, come back a bit further than I would have liked, but he, he was strong through the line. Craig Williams, Mr Brightside. Yeah, he ran tremendous. He's an amazing horse and it was a shame he didn't get the photo today, but he's, uh, the boys have done a great job. They were just that confident that he'd bounce back off the other day, but, um, you know, it means a lot to us and we just didn't get it done today. Tim Clark, alligator bud. Yeah, he was um, yeah, brave in defeat. I thought, um, thought he had it on the turn and he, he went down fighting. Damon Oliver, Jewess. She ran a great race, had a beautiful run. Just needed one more run to open up there at the top of the straight, and I think she would have been fighting out the finish, but, yeah, great effort. Yeah, she was enormous, Jewess, and she was probably one of the unlucky runners. Uh, I think Fangirl was another one that would have been right in the finish if she'd got some clear air. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the best ride won the race, and the best second-best ride ran second on Mr Brightside, and it could have gone either way, as we've discussed. Alligator blood. He was there. It was another great ride. Just that high pressure, the last 100, I think, probably fanned yep. him out. Opposite to Mr. Brightside, a lot of people saying he can't run a strong 2,000. He proved it. He was finishing just as strongly on the finish he was. Uh, on Saturday. So I think there's no questions about his 2,000-metre well, credentials now. I reckon the best runs were prominent rather than the best rides. Like at the 600, you looked at Alligator Blood, Mr. Brightside and Romantic Warren. You said, well, if these three aren't in the finish, I'll give up because... Militarise, he just got it wrong. Zach Lloyd, he stuffed up. He should have stayed on the fence. He but was, I don't know why he didn't go to the fence. I think he had stable instructions ringing too much in his ears about mm. please don't go to the fence. I think he should have won Militarise really? first. And no, then I Jewish, don't think he would have won. No, I can't oh, have that. Have another look at, no, at where he should have been. Times. Have a look at where he should have been. Yeah, but I don't think he finished well enough to say he would have won even if he had he that He wouldn't have had to if he'd settled where he was supposed to. Um, Did you back Militarise? No, I actually backed Jewess. <laughs> well, she, in my book, was more unlucky than Militarise. Yeah, but hers was the obvious miss the run. But if you look at the context of the whole race, it just kept getting shuffled further and further back on militarised. Is he going to go into the derby or not? No. Right. What was interesting about the day, and I didn't really notice it watching as much, uh, you know, but it wasn't a bad 
time to be close to the speed. I think, what was it, nine of the ten races were won by horses in the mm. first five in the run. And nothing really, apart from one race, more than two and three quarter lengths off the leader. So it lent itself to horses that could take yeah. the position. You can argue those ones were softer runs out the back, could have, but could have done this, could have done that. You've got to have the ability to take the spot. And mm. I think the best horses fought out the Cox Plate. Probably. And the to right result in terms, you know, it could have gone either way. Change the barriers around, maybe changes the result. Who yeah, knows? It's, well, um, it's very small margins when you get to this top level. But what you say, when you are in wait for age races, there's an SMS on here saying the same thing. It is such an advantage in wait for age racing to be able to take a position. Yeah. Well, without harping on militarise, he with 49.5 was third defence if he'd taken the position. So, yeah. um, they did run along, though. King Colorado, I think, was 13, yeah, 14 I mean, lengths above standard. Well, they had that, you know, a couple of the different um, sort of rating websites had it going very fast, but I just looked at their finishing speed efficiency. With The winner was 102%. And that what that basically tell, looks at is a final 600 in relation to the whole race. And that tells me that he's still out of bed in the locker. So I'm not sort of subscribing to that it was a breaknet tempo. And when you look at where they were in the run... It was a bunched I think it was finish. a good speed, but it wasn't It wasn't overly fast. Hachi, if the, it's right that he was... Um, I'll come back because I just want to see if it's a million to one that we might see him one more time, Romantic Warrior. But we'll take the news and I just want to just want to work out whether it's feasible or not. All right. There's plenty more still to come. We've got the nine o'clock news. I'll get through your SMSs. Daniel O'Sullivan's going to give us his ratings on what the Cox Plate was. How did it compare to Animo last year and other great additions? We'll also have a chat to Mark Zara, a four-timer at the Valley on Saturday. He is airborne and, of course, he made his very important call in the Melbourne Cup. All that's still to come on The Verdict. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. Uh, I'll get to a few SMSs. I was at the Valley and the fact that the three-year-olds were both flops on Saturday. Has Matt Stewart finally got over that? Well, I don't think so because he thinks Militarise should have won. Well, he, he was one of three hard luck stories and if he... Well, one of them was a real flop. There's no doubt about that. But Militarise ran through the roof, so... Hey, one thing I wanted to ask Hutchie was with Romantic Warrior, if he was still a bit underdone coming to the Cox Plate, and Hong Kong's still a fair way away, is could they use Champions Day? Could the, could he still go around on Champions Day? I'm not look quarantine. I'm not sure. There's, there's he probably needs to be booked out on a certain date and get back into Hong Kong. That's what's going to be the, the issue. exit quarantine. Yes. Yeah. So that that well, hopefully be the not because it it seems like it could fit in if he's still got heaps of fuel in the tank and there's a, no, there's a no, race there. There's no plan for him to go to Champions. They won't so. go again, I wouldn't have thought. No, yeah, it's um, a shame because <clears throat> the Australian horses are. It's a shame that – and then they're, yep. one of the two of them might go to Hong Kong yep. as well. So it would be great if he turned up again. Yeah. Um, I've been to Mooney Valley a number of times. It was a great day. The only issue for me was that shadow across the track <laughs> in the Cox Plate. No one could tell who had won. Um, I just looked back through a few old replays and it hasn't been as noticeable in recent years. Obviously, it was a beautiful, bright, sunny day on yes. Saturday. So, And the specific time. I mean, a few things had to probably come together for it to be like that, but it was noticeable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, lads, it's going to be a good track on Melbourne Cup Day. What are your thoughts about Gold Trip after his run? Um, heading to the Melbourne Cup. He was a beautiful enormous run. Yeah, run, I mean, Gold Trip it? came from behind Militarise. And went straight past him with what uh, I know it was wait for age, but a lot more, and was was very good. If you owned Gold Trip, I think going towards the Cup, mm. there's a pep in the step, big time. 
And good tracks don't see now that they've fixed his feet. It doesn't seem to be a he needs cut out of the ground issue anymore, does it? That was a good three. Yeah. It was upgraded. It to was a good quick three. track, mm. and uh, he's run enormous. And yeah, he'll he'll be a big big chance in uh, the first Tuesday in November. Every single Monday, you and Stuart kick Sydney racing. Maybe one day shut up and remember those of us who live in New South Wales appreciate the investment in racing in this state and support it. The other person's always having a go at us for over-representing Sydney, so we might start start talking about South Australia because it might sort of keep them happy. Uh, Well, I don't think you can argue with It's an issue of the greater good. Because my view is that the Melbourne Spring Carnival is a national institution that we all Mm. benefit from. The biggest crowd they get at Randwick was always Melbourne Cup Day at Randwick. Like, it's not like Sydney doesn't benefit from the might of the Melbourne Spring Carnival. You know, it does benefit, so... Hey, guys, I'm still heartbroken by alligator blood falling short. Such a brave effort. Always turns up. Hopefully, uh, he'll defend his title in the Champions Mile and turn the tables on Mr. Brightside. That's going to be a, a ripper. Oh, uh, it was great to see. Like I said, when they turned for home and all the big names were there, it was game on, wasn't it? And uh, and you got an exciting finish with such a small margin. So you don't have to say what – you don't have to have a vivid imagination to think what could have been. Did alligator blood go back to the mile last year and win that? Yep. And Brightside will go to the 2000, won't it? No, I think today, well, this morning, Ben was talking to um, Hoss and said that they're favouring going back to the mile. And then, all going well, we could see him try and take on Romantic Warrior again over in Hong Kong, which would be absolutely brilliant. What's going to run in the 2000 metre race? Um, uh, West Wind Blows. Yeah, that might be the thin one, mightn't it? If something has to give, it might be the 2000 metre race. I'll have a look at what the early market is um, for that, um, and we'll have Romantic a chat to Dan. Should go around at we'll a dollar forty and just canter around and then go back to Hong Kong. I'll give you Daddy's number, Matt. You can give him a call. I'll meet him at the. Um, I'll meet him at the flower drum, and we'll have a decent <laughs> discussion about this. <laughs> he he so, might never be the same after that. West Wind blows is a three dollar favourite. Alligator blood. Gay said he's going to go to the mile. Mister Brightside. Um, is most likely to, uh, to go to the mile. Prowess is the one that will be going to the 2,000 metres. And uh, I know Antino was very stiff, but she... Stiff? Yes. Very wow. stiff. don't know about stiff. I think there was a schoolboy era passing to school for mine. Just what? what? I, is she it, definitely going to the 2,000? Yes. Hmm. Why? Why do you question these things? Because no, I'm thinking the 1600 would be probably as, as likely for her as she's only third. She's only she's had a restricted campaign. It's her second run, so she steps up to the 2000, the champions. The other one, Matt Dewes, going to the champions over 2000. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, think that's going right to be a good race. Too. She'd always thought, uh, is she a mile and a half or further? I know we spoke to Ed Cummings a couple of weeks ago on Racing.com, but. Looking at uh, at Jewess, it seems to be her sweet spot, a fast run 2000, and she, she works home well. It's Just taken a while to learn it, but that's the obvious thing now, isn't it? Off the back of the Ranvet and the Australian Cup that year, yep. and then they kept stepping her up, but she is a dead set 2000 metre yeah, horse. I think that's uh, mm. something that they've got. And Zaki be. back to 2000 metres. Just feel Zaki's, obviously, he's not quite where he was. No, but he's he was a couple of lengths behind, weekend. but he's yep. a horse at Flemington over 2000 yeah. with no alligator blood in the race. Um, could get well, a, if he gets a, nice a cheap lead, and we've seen him get a cheap lead there before, and um, yeah, obviously proof hard to get past. Just back um, to, of course, you mentioned Antino as well, not criticising the rider, just the rider felt that, you know, there was an opportunity, sort of caught napping, I think boxed exactly. in. He's been an unlucky horse, this preparation, oh. Antino. Not unlucky in terms from the start before he, he presented, but geez, you go the first run, Flemington. probably just things quite, haven't quite gone his way, and... 
you feel that I'm not sure where they'll go next. Maybe with him. the Champions Mile. Maybe they will because that could be a good option. I'm not sure what others are out there, but you feel that it's unfinished business. I'd almost, love to see you? him take on Alligator Blood, Mr. Brightside, over a mile at Flemington and mm. big, open, spacious track. He can get his chance. Hey, let's have a chat to Daniel O'Sullivan because we know Daniel's the ratings guru and it'll be fascinating to see how his figures um, have rated this year's Cox Plate, which was one of the great finishes. Uh, Dan, Daniel, good morning. How are you? Yeah, morning, guys. Really good, thanks. Uh, we've been talking about what a great spectacle the race was. From a, a ratings point of view, how did this year's Cox Plate come out? Oh, look, I think, yeah, it was a great spectacle. I mean, an amazing race and an amazing finish. Um, Pre-race, it looked like there was six or seven horses that could have won or you could have backed. And even post-race, I see people make the arguments for six or seven horses that, you know, may have been alternative winners of the race. Um, look, in a rating sense, we've got Mr. Uh, sorry, Romantic Warrior... 105, so uh, Animo last year, 105.8, State of Rest, 106, Sir Dragon A, 106, uh, Ligra Sir, 108, and then we go back to the Winx era. So, look, uh, to be honest, I think it was a little below the, the typical sort of cost plate standard, not massively, maybe sort of half a length behind the, the last three years. Um, I think that's reflected also in the compressed margins back through the field. I think the seventh horse was beaten 1.7 length. Normally, typically, sort of on a median or average, the seventh horse is sort of anywhere between four and six lengths uh, off the the winner, um, even if you take out the the Winx additions of the Cox Plate. So, yeah, look, from, from that perspective, from a ratings nerd or an objective perspective, it's probably a little bit below... Um, what we've seen typically from the Cox Plate, but yeah, that that shouldn't take away from the, the spectacle of the race because it was yeah an, a, an amazing event and yeah, it just shows why, in my opinion, it's the best race on the calendar every year. So if it's half a length behind um, Animo last year, how do you think for Romantic Warriors' history of his runs does that stack up? Danny Shum said he was ninety five percent fit. Uh, he'll improve heading over to the Hong Kong races. So where would you rate Romantic Warriors' performance against some of the ones that we've seen over in Hong Kong? Yeah, that's really interesting because on his on his previous best form, I've got him sort of between 107 and 108 um, with a couple of 106s. So that would sort of 107 is probably just over a length beyond, like 1.2 lengths above his 105. So... Um, yeah, even without hearing that, I would have said that that wasn't the best of Romantic Warrior that we've seen at home, even though it was still very good. Uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting that you, you make those comments. Um, all I can say is that my figures would, would endorse that. And I suppose, Dan, to not offset uh, the sort of beaten margins by some of those in behind, but the SPs of those horses that have finished one, two, three would would give it a bit of a plus, though, from that point of, in point of view of rating the race. I, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think on the day the three best horses called out the finish, um, although, as I heard you guys talking before, there were, there were a couple of unlucky runners, um, Jewess especially. Um, who knows what militarised would have done uh, with a different position, um, fangirl to, to electric than I think. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it's a great race. I mean, if you remember back last year, the likes of Alligator Blood and Mr Brightside were a step-off animo. Um, and, I mean, they've been racing in terrific form this preparation, but we always have to sort of keep in context that we have had a 
production in, in depth in those weight grades ranks this, this season, even with a horse like I'm Thunderstruck um, no longer on the scene. So, yeah, sometimes it can, it can be a bit misleading when we look at the races and, and we think these horses are, are even better than they were last year. Oh, I think they're just very, very small amount better. Um, as I said, those horses fighting out the finish of the Cox Plate if we compare to last season. Um, intuitively, that said, it was maybe just a fraction off what we've seen in the past. And, and when you go through the process of all the measures and checks and balances, it, it says a similar thing. But um, look, yeah, as I said before, that shouldn't take away from, from the events. I mean, that type of measure is more for people that are seriously uh, into assessing the, the actual quality rather than just enjoying the event itself. Yeah, I think that sums up the the might of the Cox Plate is that it doesn't really matter if they're fading or they don't rate world class. It's more about the race and the event and the cauldron and all that sort of stuff. Hey, I know the figures probably won't back this up, but in my mind, I don't. I think I've never seen a better sprinter than since Black Caviar than, than Imperatriz. But I know the nature strips and that'll rate high. Where, where does she? Where is she? And where is she heading, Imperatriz? Yeah, so she ran 108 on on Saturday, which which equals her her past peak. I mean, you know that that's really you know at the bottom end of what I call world class. So that's not to sort of take anything away. But yeah, look, the, the likes of Nature Strips are sort of 110, 111, uh, even Classic Legend when he won the Everest. Um, but yeah, I mean, she certainly. It's between the, the best of most sprinters we've, we've seen uh, these days and even in past couple of years and, and those, you know, seriously elite horses like Nature Strip uh, and obviously Black Caviar is in, in a different realm to, to them again. So, what were her, uh, Just out of curiosity, what, what was Black Caviar compared to Nature Strip and that group and then back to where Imperatriz is and, and maybe going higher? But just remind us how high Black Caviar was to give us some context. Yeah, so Black Caviar... Um, she had quite a number of 115s on my scale, and I think 117 might have been her top. Um, so if I think of Nature Strip, I think he was around 112 uh, on his absolute best, and he had a number of 110 performances. So um, just, uh, you know, five points between Black Caviar's best and Nature Strip, you're sort of looking at about 2.2 lengths. Um, so I think, yeah, Nature Strip at, at his absolute best and Black Caviar at her best is about two lengths between them. Big margin uh, in the sprints, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. I mean, that, that highlights the might uh, of, of Black Caviar, I guess. It's nature strict, um, even though Matic at times through his career, uh, in, in the later years there, where, where he really did hit his straps, I mean, he was a serious world-class uh, horse. Uh, so nature strip at his best to imperatories at the moment, uh, say about 1.6 lengths. Um, so, what about... Yeah, uh, just, just more recently, what about think about it? I, I mean, she's been winning very softly. Saturday was a walk in the park for her. Um, what about the ratings with uh, think about it in the Everest? Yeah, so it was lower. The Everest, uh, 105 off the top of my head without looking it up. So Imperatrice is going about 1.2 uh, lengths better than, than those horses went in the Everest. So I think that's, as I said, it's, you know, saying she's below nature studio, that's not taking anything away from her because I think mm. she is rightfully the best sprinter in the country at the moment. Um, she's now put a bank of ratings together, um, albeit all at Mooney Valley, but that's where she's been racing. Uh, she couldn't have been more impressive, really. So, yeah, I think at the moment she she comfortably holds the margin as the best sprinter in the country. Uh, and even going back, I think I made mention of this when she uh, won her first race at Mooney Valley this prep, that that performance was better than 
the best of uh, Giga Kick, uh, Giga Kick, and I Wish I Win from from the autumn. So um, that run, I think it was the McEwen. It might have been established her as as at least one performance higher rating than those two horses from the autumn, and and she's only gone on to confirm that in her subsequent wins. Just a quick one. Um, did you catch Equinox yesterday in his performance? One fifty five two for the 2000, took point nine off the track record, fifth straight group one. And I know the timing's done a little differently over in Japan, mm. but still, it's just a freakish set of figures. Yeah, I mean, he's a super horse. I mean, I, you know, I'm always on the front foot saying with times, you have to be, um, you know, really careful in terms of we say, oh, 155 and records here are around the two-minute mark or, or a little under that. You obviously can't compare like with like and, and track records on the day are as much as a function as, as the conditions uh, and, and the pace in the race as they are about the quality of horses. I mean, many, many track records in Australia on metro tracks are not held by the best horses we've ever seen race there. Um, but look, yeah, there's no doubt that, that Equinox is, is right up there uh, as, as probably the best horse in the world at the moment. Oh, I would have him and, and the French three-year-old Ace Impact who won the arc, sort of very, very similar, to be honest, um, even though Equinox is now, you know, doing it sort of multiple times. So, yeah, it's just great to see that the seriously elite horses race and, and we always have to remember that we're lucky to see them because um, they, they don't stay around forever and, and sometimes it can be a little bit of a wait in between those champions that, that come through. And Daniel, just one quick one. Uh, without notice, I thought, the run of Gold Trip was was beautiful in a lead-up to a Melbourne Cup, similar to last year's. Uh, is he rating better than he was 12 months ago in his runs so far this spring? Um, he definitely is uh, in terms of his lead-up form. But the Melbourne Cup for me is still his peak performance, 106. Uh, in the Turnbull, I had him running 104. So at that distance, it's about a length and a half off. Um, and I think in the Caulfield Cup, he was virtually on par with his Turnbull run and, and on Saturday just a little bit short of that, obviously back in trip and perhaps a, a firmer track, um, perhaps not as ideal for him. So, oh, look, oh, I'd say he's right on track for the Melbourne Cup to you know, perhaps repeat that 106 that he ran last year. That, that would be my forecast at this stage. Um, whether that's going to be good enough to win with that weight, we'll, we'll sort of have to see. It'd certainly be extremely competitive and, and could win. Um, but yeah, historically, I'd expect the Melbourne Cup to be to be won in a rating a little bit higher than, than what he might do with that weight if he matches his 106. Um, but look, yeah, he certainly turned up 12 months later with, with a great chance, um, and without uh, looking back at the detail, probably you know as good a chance as, as any we've seen uh, maybe since Maccabi Diva to, to do the double um, to, to to win two in a row because often yeah it's, it's not often. I think we see horses sort of get there the next year in the type of shape he is to, to um, repeat the dose. So, yeah, it's going to add a lot of excitement to, to what's already looking like a great race. No doubt about that. Daniel, great to get your context as far as how the Cox Plate and other horses have rated. Appreciate your time as always. No worries, guys. Um, so there you go. Mm. A little bit below Animo, below I think that's Sir Dragon. I mean, that's to be with the margins, like Dan said. You know, mm. there wasn't a lot between uh, many of the entrants and you know, that spread that you had in the field. That said, I think, like I said, mentioned earlier, I think the right horses before fighting it out. Well, and it just sums up the level of improvement in Romantic Warrior, given he was down on his rating and he was down on fitness and that all marries up, because I'm convinced he's a better horse than Animo was. Yeah. Romantic Warrior? Yeah. He's a better horse than Animo. 
Interesting. I yeah, mean, look, I don't both, know if there'd I mean, be much Animo's between been a, them. Would been there? a champion. Who knows? What What's been good for him to come here? He hasn't had all favours. I mean, that's the other thing we've got to appreciate in terms of you're still travelling away from home. There's still parts of you know it's the they're routine animals. You're out of your routine. Mm. He he had an interrupted prep, so I feel like if he had another run here, you'd see a new peak, and then you know he might put up a better number. But he'll do that back in Hong Kong and on his home ground. Let's hope Brightside gets over there because two point zero that clash wow. could be enormous. Well, and the only measure we've got is Dubai Honor between Animo and and Romantic Warrior, and I know it was probably a bit distorted because uh, Dubai Honor probably wasn't at his best in Hong Kong, but it was a pretty emphatic. Measuring stick with Dubai Honour. Um, hey guys, 2,000 metres on Champions Day. If Gold Trip pulls up well out of the Melbourne Cup, could he back up? Well, he's had a pretty busy campaign. <laughs> He'll have run in all three majors. I don't know if they'll. That's a far lap campaign if they want to run yeah, him on the final. They day did it last year. Well. That's why I wasn't surprised that all along. You know, there was that conjecture whether or not he'd run the first week. Like they're taking the same path to the same ultimate goal with the Melbourne Cup. So you'd have to be thinking. I believe Gold Trip's going better this year almost than he was last year. I think he's too. And I know he got the conditions like the rain on the day or the cushion in the track. We may or may not get that on on, uh, Cup Day, but it doesn't sound like we will be according to weather forecasts because they never get it wrong, do they? Never. Just like tipsters. (laughs) (laughs) We'll discuss it later, but what an... It must have been a flip of the coin for Mark Zara, that decision. Cause it, it's... Well, we're going to get him on, yeah, so we can yeah. go through um, how he came to that. Just a couple of SMSs before I take a break. Uh, there's been a few here saying that Antino will go to the Five Diamonds uh, in Sydney, which is on Champions Day. That's an 1,800-metre race worth $2 million. I just text Tony Gollan, and he said, uh, we'll either go to one of the Champions races, either the Mile or the... Champion Stakes over 2,000 or the Five Diamonds. They haven't made up their mind. So, um, Some good options. And this is the other thing. I mean, it is good for owners. And, I mean, what a time to be an owner oh, in Australian racing. You've got a good you know, horse. You know, we can say what we like about what we want about uh, Sydney, but the fact is that if you own, the, if you own a quality horse, um, it is an amazing time to own one and you can make a lot of money. Yep, doesn't help the fans or the battlers, but it helps the, uh, the the rich owners who get richer. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Some of these owners um, Most you know, of them aren't are. necessarily <laughs> Most rich, of them Matty. Are. There's a lot of uh, small well, you're owners. You're looking that... at a very big yeah, I'm looking <laughs> at owner right there, uh, whose horse was made the horse to follow out of the trials. We might get a little tip before we say goodbye uh, from Hutchie as well. Uh, it's 25 minutes past 9 o'clock. Keep those SMSs going. We'll take a break on the other side. We will have a chat to Mark Zara after four winners on Saturday and how he came to choose his Melbourne Cup mount. Placing their opinion on the line, it's The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. Um, are you a rev head Hutchie? No. Petrol head? No? No. Well, no never, gonna... never made any appeal to me or that, no. You're going to be um, hanging on the edge of your seat for this then. I can give you the Mexican <laughs> Grand Prix results. Oh, Max Verstappen, please, just man. for something different. Give us the first four. Is what the winner. <laughs> I don't know if you can actually take first fours on the Grand Prix. You should. Did we get an Aussie in the first four? I've had I've, Lewis I've, Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, yeah. Daniel Ricciardo seventh, Oscar Piastri eighth. Gambled on a few things, but never the GP. N- no, no. It's What's never the most me. unusual event you? No, I'd have to think on. about that, but there would be a few strange ones. Give me a few minutes, yeah. and I'll, I'll think about that. I did a fast lap at Sandown with Marcus Ambrose. It was you know the hot V eight cars, and he went on to drive in those crazy ones in America. And they had to put they had to put me through the window. You know, you have to right. go in the window. Hang on. And big window. I had this, and I was and I was sort of hyperventilating. It was that hot, and I was in this spacesuit type thing. And he kept deliberately conking it out. You know, just to right. just to. 
And he said, um, if you start freaking out, tap me on the knee because that's what my grandmother did when I took And I thought, I'm not doing that then, smart Alec. And, he, and it was the most terrifying thing. And I kept going to put my hand on his knee to get him to stop. And I was like, no, no, don't do it. Uh, it was I've, absolutely I've been terrifying. in the car with you yeah. and the brown bomber. Uh, you shouldn't be that concerned. I don't know if it's the most unusual thing, but there's one that rings a bell. We got a tip for a Swedish, I think a Swedish handball or something like that. And we all had a, of course, a lot, two horse race and lost. Though, but yeah, and not by small margin either. Well, uh, do you know who we should have been backing on Saturday? Just one name, Mark Zara, because he put on a clinic once again. Old Bastille for Mark Zara, pumps away. Three links in front and dominates. Bold Bastille won it will. Tuvalu just in front of Prowess. Antino the inside and just both hanging tough. Prowess stomps up, took the front. Prowess and Prowess just beat Antino. It's Apulia up to Vedad at the 150. It's Apulia, a nick in front of Vedad, a half in front of Vedad and pulled clear. Then Air Assault who whacks away, but Apulia wins. Apulia first, Vedad second, Air Assault third. Archo, Nacho and Mahaba move up to Don't Hope Do. It's in the middle, kicking Archo, Nacho. Zara looks for four and he's got it. Uh, he was in the zone, wasn't he, Mark Zara? And he joins us this morning. Mark, congratulations. What another great day at the office. Cheers, Michael. Yeah, didn't get the Cox Plate, but uh, I'll take four winners on the day. No worries. Well, uh, you had a very good run in the Cox Plate too. He was uh, he was humming to the line gold trip. So we'll get to the we'll get to the elephant in the room right now. Um, how tough a choice, and what was it that swayed you to go with um, your Caulfield Cup winner in the Melbourne Cup? Yeah, extremely tough choice. Um, look, there wasn't a great deal between it, but. I just thought um, last year, Gold Trip, I thought all these runs were on soft tracks. He had, he had a soft run in a Caulfield Cup. He ran second on a soft track. He didn't get out in a Cox Plate on a soft track and then obviously went to the Melbourne Cup. I think it's a de- different kettle of fish this year. He's had, he's had two sort of hard runs, I reckon, on firm tracks. He'll get a firm track again, from what I believe anyway, on the, on Cup Day. And uh, I think um, without fights, better right. So... Uh, it sounds like you factored in. You looked at the the weather. You genuinely had a look at the weather forecast in factoring in your decision. Yeah, well, I got one horse who loves a dry track, and um, another one that I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Gold Trip hates a, a, a dry track, but he, he definitely goes better when there's cut in the ground. But almost a fifty-fifty. Um, I would have said. Decision probably 60-40 without a fight's favour. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I saw you out to dinner and there's some good social media posts as well. Was it almost like trying to break up with a girlfriend uh, when you <laughs> gave, the, <laughs> gave the decision? Oh, it was hard. because I'm, I'm very good friends with a couple of the owners in the horse and so I had to tell them first. And then I was having dinner with them, with Kieran, so they wanted to kill me. Then my mum, <laughs> she was flat. She loved gold chips, so she was flat as well. I rode four winners and I, and I was flat for the night. Everyone was just baking me all my <laughs> And Kieran sent a, a cheeky text that got a lot of response saying, well, we've, we've wiped him, we've uh, sacked him from Gold Trip. So, and that, that, that developed a life of its own, that text message, Mark. <laughs> that was, I, I was meeting him for dinner and that was before I got there and he left his phone on the table and a, another friend of ours uh, got it and thought it would be a good joke. And then my wife read the text. What are they talking about? You didn't get the sack. I said, Why are you complaining? This, this is perfect. We can tell everyone we got the sack. We had no choice. In the, we had no choice in the matter. <laughs> Turn a negative into a positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, great day out, though, Mark. Uh, obviously, on outside of um, you know the feature race, which was still a good running gold trip, but what a day at the office. Yeah, I mean, I had, I had sort of each way chances all day without 
thinking, you know, they were good things. And um, I had good barrier draws, which helps a lot. And the way the track played, you know, it, it helped to be, have, you know, runs close to speed or close to the fence. And, uh, you know, you have those days, everything just pans out for you. That, that was one of those. That was worth pointing out that there was a fraction of that about the day. Um, that was noticeable during the day. Hey, just on prowess, because in an ideal world, she would have been in the Cox Plate, but she had the setback. Did she feel to you like a mare who probably would earn a spot in the Cox Plate, but now it's going to have to be next year? Did she give you that feeling of quality? Yeah, I think so. Um, I definitely think there's a fair bit of improvement in her. Like, um, when I won her in the autumn, like, I think she was awesome. And she was still good on Saturday, but she had everything to suit. Um, and she's still a bit big, but yeah, she's, I mean, she's a quality mare. Like she's so big and strong. Um, I think, I think with the prep they had, you know, she's doing everything well. I, I, if they could have had an uninterrupted prep, she would have been hoping in a, in a, in a uh, cox plate for sure. And we- prob- probably maybe the, su- not the necessarily the surprise packet, but just looking at uh, the way in which it all panned out for Apulia, um, sustained a really good run. I think for dad tried to sort of make it a bit of a test mark. And you, you said post race that you won it from the, I think, the six to the three or the five to the three when you got going. But the response was excellent and sort of new level for that horse. Yeah, I didn't expect him, to be honest, to, to be able to quicken like that. You know, I was following um, Zach on his horse, hoping he could take me as far as I could because he's a bit of a... When he comes off the bridle on my horse, you know, he gets a bit wayward and uh, has a good look around. But um, when I asked him down the side, like, he, he comes travelled up really strong underneath me. Like, he found a good three lengths really quick and then... It's just a matter of getting him to put that away, which I was a little bit concerned about. But, you know, once I was able to straighten up balance and then get stuck into him, you put him away pretty easily. Well, he's by Fiorante. And Tom Kitten, who would have been a, a short price favourite if they'd decided to back up snot there, Riff Rocket coming off a, a loss. Um, it's, an, it's an open derby now. And look, these three-year-old staying contests, they can look thin on paper and you can get a, a few upsets. Are you confident? with the way he won the Vars on Saturday, that Apulia will be strong over 25? I think so. Uh, look, the ma- majority of, of the derby is, I reckon, three-quarters of them don't stay, and mm. probably you find out after the derby that nearly all of them are, are not the best stayers, you know. So it's a matter of just having... You need a horse that can relax, and you just need a really economical run. And if you can quicken at some point, at the point end of the race, you're going to be a chance. And I think Apulia ticks all those boxes. Hey, just... Take us back to the Cox Plate and the, and the race and being in the race and, you know, those around you who probably didn't have a lot of luck. Just take us through the race from, from the gold trip perspective and uh, what did you make of it uh, when you look back at the replay about the winner and some of the other runners? Yeah, it was a great race. Like, it, it was a really good race. But I, I think a lot of the jockeys had the same... Most of the jockeys back in the field, obviously, we'd seen how the, the track was playing and I don't think anyone wanted to pull out down the side. Everyone was sort of keen to... Uh, you know, from J-Mac back was keen to sort of ride for luck. And so you could see on the corner, we're all just bundled up behind the speed, like just looking for for an out. And a uh, few of us got it, a few didn't. Um, yeah, it was a great race. There's not much between those horses that you see the finish, the length and a half between them. Like, they're all good horses. And, uh, you know, J-Mac's horse, obviously, he, he, he had the peach run. One out, one back, steady tempo, out at the right time. And, um, you know, you could, I reckon you could run it probably... Another five times, you might get five different results. Mm. Um, there were some great rides on the weekend. Um, do you boys have a chat to yourself when someone like Bo Mertens pulls off the ride that he did on, on Sky Bird in the in the rooms? Uh, we get around him, for sure. Yeah. Like Bo's obviously a very likeable jockey. Um, and to see someone like him 
you know, a young fella have success. Uh, you know, a lot of jockeys line up to shake his hand when he came back in. And as I said, when he came in, I said, Beamers, three votes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you. Hey, um, what's it like having James McDonald in town? I mean, you're kind of our James McDonald in a way at certain times of the year when you're not on holiday. Uh, um, does he sort of raise the bar of expectation and the buzz in the jockey's room when he's about? Not really, no. He's a pretty quiet fella, J-Mac. I, I get stuck into him a little bit, but um, uh, he's a likeable guy. You know, everyone gets on well with him, but uh, nah, it's pretty much business as usual when he's around. Um, yeah, yeah, not much changes. Uh, will you say something to him if he ranges up about 50 out in the Melbourne Cup? <laughs> you know, that's all you're going to be thinking about up the straight is looking over your shoulder and seeing J-Mac and thinking about no, your mum, your wife, Kieran. <laughs> Uh, I did my head in over the Cornwall Cup, and I promised myself that was the last time. So I've, I've broken up with him, and uh, hopefully, I can, hopefully we can get back uh, get back together after the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> hey, just a quick one on your two-year-old winner on the weekend. Uh, gee, um, he showed a lot of speed, bold Bastille, didn't he? Yeah, that, that was a great win. I, to be honest, I didn't expect that at all. Her jump outs had been okay without raving. Like, I, I jumped out against Danny O'Brien's horse, and uh, I beat it ahead and probably didn't have much in the tank. You know, we're both sort of just a bit un- under pressure. So I-, I thought I'd run well, but I told Connections she's really fast and I'm going to use it and I will we'll be in front for probably a, a while, but um, we're not going to be strong at the end. And uh, I think they were calling me a shocking judge after the way she won. I didn't expect her to win like that, but she bled, ears pricked, and I give her a little, little uh, you know, little uh, click up around the bend. It was just, she was off and gone. Didn't even have, didn't even have to touch her. So she obviously improved out of that, but do you think it was also a bit of a function on how the track played, Mark? Yeah, I think so, a little bit. You know, that, that race always plays like, you know, whoever gets the best run, uh, uh, they don't usually always go on with it after winning that race. But the way she won, though, was pretty impressive. Like, uh, so you'd, you'd hope there's, you know, there's a little bit more in store for it. Yeah, bit of substance on the clock anyway. That was good. How do you plot yeah. next week? It's the most unique race week of the calendar because there's four goes at the big time in in one week what's uh, the mindset the prep uh, do you have a routine um well i've spent it this week so i won't be riding so um oh. i mean I, I did like a little 10 day 10 day diet to get my weight right for without a fight and um it come really good so i don't, I don't want to ruin it in my time off this week so it's going to stay the course it's going to be hard for you because you wander off the path a bit without much uh, <laughs> yeah. you know excuse I've got to block a few blokes' numbers this week, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't get let so astray. But um, no, I'm just going to stay like uh, stay stay on the course, and uh, I, I like I feel I'm in the zone at the moment, and my weight's good. It's always good when I can wake up in the morning and not have much weight to lose. Like it's a big bonus for me. So um, yeah, I'll just stay, just train every day, stay on the diet, and um, yeah, just once Wednesday the fields come out, start having a bit of a look what's going on for Saturday, and. Is it an exhausting week? Like you, you, you're doing it. You're having something like you're probably over, you know, twenty five rides for the for, in a space of seven days, and then you've got the in between days. I'm probably backing on the fact that you're not going to do a lot of riding in the in between days. But is it a exhausting seven days in in a lot of ways? It is. Like, I, I, by the time the last day and the last race, you see in the jockeys' room and all the boys just sitting around, sort of sort of happy in a way that it's all over. You know, you, I mean, you really look forward to the big races, but by the last day and the last race, you're like, I think everyone's ready for a rest, you know, like you say. Every second day, most boys are, you know, because they're big days, you're riding probably at your minimum every day. So 
you've got to stay on top of your weight and then, you know, the mental draining as well. And, uh, yeah, usually Saturday night, everyone gets together for a, a couple of drinks and just to let their hair down a bit. It is a tough week for sure. What was the bar bill on Saturday night? I saw a few photos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I grabbed Kiramar and made him go half to me, so it wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just a quick one looking ahead to the Cup. Obviously, without a fight, he's actually $7, uh, third favourite. You've got Vauban, the $4 favourite. Uh, Gold Trip, $4.50, and then you're out to Sulk and break up. It's, it's looking like there may only be a handful of genuine winning chances this year. How do you see the Cup this far oh, out, Mark? Yeah, yeah it, it looks... I wouldn't say thin for a Melbourne Cup, but, you know, it definitely looks like, yeah, you, you look through them and you go, well, you can probably rule a line through a lot of them. You know, you go, you, you, there's, there's a lot that you, you say can't win and there's probably only a handful that you say can win. So I think Vauban, for me, is he's the out-and-out horse to beat. If he's travelled over uh, and everything's gone well and he's settled in, then he's, he, I reckon he's by far and away should be the favourite in the race. And uh, after that, but, yeah, there's not much between, obviously... Gold trip and my horse. I'm uh, not a lot between them, and then yeah, breakups. He's got to improve a little bit on his um, on his run. So yeah, you, you can uh, you can definitely count on one hand. I reckon there's winning chances. And just quickly before I let you go, it could be a big day on Saturday, Derby Day. Uh, obviously, you're pulling on the Derby, but uh, gee, King's Gambit's a good ride in the Coolmore as well. Um, have you done any work on him since the last time you sat on his back? Yeah, so I trolled him on. Um, that he's got a ton of ability, but he can. Oh, we're just losing him. He might be in a tunnel. Uh, are you there, Mark? Max, and it was a really slow trial, and I had him out the back, switched off, and he hit the line nice. So I'm really happy with him. He just needs he needs circumstances uh, up straight just to, to suit him. You know, I'll, I'll hopefully get a few speed horses around me so I can just bury him straight away. And if I can switch him off, I think for the first half, his turn of foot is. Uh, He's really good, and, and he, he, he can definitely win if things go his way. And one from a listener. Are you going to ride prowess in the champion stakes, which I, I think yep. they're heading? Yep. Yep, I will. Thankfully, I don't have to choose between two horses there. She's the only ride I've got. Uh, good work. Uh, Mark, well done on the weekend. Uh, the countdown is now on. It's going to be a huge week. Uh, wish you all the best. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Sammy. It's pretty matter of fact, and, and yep. it was probably, he said 60-40 in the end. It was probably a bit more one-sided than what I'd thought it would be, but he made some pretty salient points about the build-up and the lead-in that Gold Trip's having to this year's Cup compared to last year. Yeah, well, you have to. T- he's a good judge, obviously, so he's gone that way, but not a lot between them. 60-40, slight edge for without a fight. I think the most interesting Melbourne Cup discussion he had was how much he was pumping up Vauban. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the reports from, obviously, the Northern Hemisphere that he's pretty special, so... And the reports out of Werribee are that um, he's absolutely the real deal. Yeah. Uh, $4 right now, you go, gee, that looks tight in a Melbourne Cup, but maybe a bit like Romantic Warrior, you were saying, this is a good price for this horse in the Cox Plate. Could we get to the Melbourne Cup this year and go, maybe $4.50, $4 is not a bad price for Vauban? could be it doesn't i don't feel with the sentiment that's around and what i'm you know when you're talking to people about the race and what's being said i don't think you're going to get much better mm. <laughs> that's my maybe very late if a couple of spec i'm not sure but i don't feel because it does look like that way this year's cup could have a long tail um if you keep going sulcum i believe they're going to take the blinkers off 
Um, oh, it's going to be a gear change in the Melbourne Cup. Hopefully to, maybe to make him help him yeah, jump a little bit see better. see if it turns him on from that point of view. Uh, Absurd's a stable mate to Vauban, but from everyone that you speak to uh, amongst the camp, there's a fair gap between them as there is in the market. He's an $18 chance. Then we've got Cleveland. It was a really nice win, Good on, win. On, on Friday night. But is he a, a Melbourne Cup winner in waiting? He's a $21 chance. And then you've got Latschotschka, who's an intriguing overseas horse. Future history ran well on Friday night Terrific again. Run. Uh, and then you're out for the likes of old Vaughn de Clare. Mm. So it, mm. I don't know. Can you see any of that group of horses winning the Cup this year? Uh, most Cups, when you think about imports coming over and we haven't seen them and they've got you know, high up in the weights and that, you think, oh, it's a Melbourne Cup, so therefore you want to go against them. But it is a different race this year with the weight scale, the long tail. There is a very long tail. There's a very long tail in that cup, I reckon. And I think it just becomes another horse race. It becomes who are the full-on horses. Forget that it's a difficult race to win because it's the, the Melbourne Cup. And to me, it's Mark Zara's two, one that he's riding, one that he dumped. And, you know, and Valban and Matt Chapman was on with uh, Matt Nevitt the other day and just said, look, he's just a moral Valban on his English form. So maybe. I think one of the interesting things that Mark Zara said about why he chose Gold Trip was was more – sorry, why he chose without a fight is more about his queries on Gold Trip than his faith in without a fight. It's uh, – but interesting having a chat to Sam Friedman on the phone the other day about just how much improvement there is in without a fight because of the, the checkered – preparation he'd had before the Caulfield Cup. So maybe that was also in Mark Zara's mind, even though he didn't get around to mentioning it then, is he that maybe... I know the stable feels that he will bounce off the Caulfield Cup, whereas Gold Trip might not be bouncing mm. anymore. So mm. um, uh, It's a big call, though. I mean, for mine, I'd be pretty confident. It's a Moz I think, call, Well, it? I think Gold Trip is running in the top four in the Melbourne Cup. You know he can run a strong 32. He, he's, he's headed in the right direction. He's been there. He's done it. Okay, he might not get the cushion in the track. He might, though, but irrespective of that, he's he's going to be... He's proven. He's been there and done it. You're so right. he's running top four. He de- you, you put that in the bank, yeah. don't you? He's top four, and that's what yeah. Zara had to think about. Well, I've got one that's guaranteed to run top four. How do I decide not to ride it? You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A few SMSs. Gold trip's a good thing now. J-Mac on board. Uh, who's riding Vauban? Uh, Ryan Moore yes. uh, will be on... The Melbourne Cup favourite. How do we compare the hype around him to Doville Legends' hype last year? Um, it was a big push, Doville Legend. I, I think very similarly. Mm. But Doville Legend hadn't proven himself at the trip, whereas Vauban has. Yeah, and, and he Correct. didn't run the trip in the end. He was going to win on the point of the turn last year, wasn't he, Doville Legend? <laughs> if you were on him, you were thinking, yeah, the 600. <laughs> I know. We're on here. Yes, I can recall that. <laughs> 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 Let's take a quick break on the other side. How well's Mitch Friedman going at the moment? Uh, it was a big win of Skybird, and she now is the favourite for the 1,000 guineas. We'll have a chat to Mitch up next. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Karina Queen stokes up behind them. Skybird getting up on the inside. Brinzinger Bell stacked them up, went for home. A length and a half, Karina Queen. And Skybird's coming now. Brinzinger Bell, look at Skybird over the top. Sprouting weeks and one. Skybird has just out Brinzinger Bell, Karina Queen. What a win. Yeah, the player was obviously uh, with the barrier. With her natural pattern anyway, she gets back. And um, look, it was obviously always going to be a bit tricky, but we did a little bit of work on it and... We either thought we've got to have the nice run blending into it, going around them, or be a bit daring and, and try to go through the middle. And when I found McDee's back, I was pretty happy with that. And look, I was lucky enough for his horse to take me right into the straight. And before I knew it, I was just tracking the leaders back. And geez, she's impressive. 
Yeah, as Mark Zara said, it was three votes by Mertens on Saturday for that ride on Skybird. I wonder what was going through Mitch Friedman's mind as they were approaching the turn on Saturday. He's got a very exciting filly on his hands. How are you, Mitch? Very good, Michael. And yourself? Very well indeed. Were you cursing Bo at that stage or were you confident the, the gaps might come? No, I, I mean, look, we were coming into the corner. I, I knew that she had plenty to give and I could see it staying to stand and try and get into the race and um, I was just hopeful some gaps come and, and that she was going to be going good enough to take them. Certainly was going good enough that turn of foot you, you you proved well she proved that she can do it over that distance range Mitch so that was the probably the, the big tick that needed to require and uh, she was as strong as she was over the shorter trips. Yeah certainly uh, I was a little bit um, sceptical going into it there's not much in her pedigree that uh, says that she'd run a mile, but she does conserve energy very well. And, um, you know, if she could conserve that energy like she had been over the shorter trips and, and show a similar turn of foot, she was, uh, you know, she was going to make a nice mile, that's for sure. She, it reminds me when Daniel Moore chalked up his first group one, then the, it took him 20 years, and then the second and third came soon after. And you got more than one string to the bow at the moment, Mitch, which is great. You know, you've got attrition perhaps heading to the big dollars in Sydney and you've got the thousand guineas favourite. It's nice when you don't have to rely... It's nice to have one good one, but it's nice when you don't have to rely on one good one. Yeah, no, we're a bit blessed at the moment as a team. We've uh, got, a, got a couple of nice horses and, um, yeah, it's uh, just a, a huge thrill that we're sort of getting getting the luck and, and just competing on these days. Like, you know, Moody Valley probably, as a, as a race goer, one of the best days to go because the atmosphere is so good and, um, to hear that roar when she was starting to take take the gaps, it was uh, pretty exciting. And has she come out of the run? She seems great. Um, we're we're uh, sort of pretty confident that we'll get uh, another another run out of her at this stage. So um, yeah, we've obviously got a bit of work to do in the next three weeks to have her have her right and ready to go. But um, yeah, she seen, initially she seems really good, and um, you know she's eaten up well, and uh, you know, she's pretty straightforward like that. So uh, hopefully she can she can. Uh, show up in uh, similar form and and um, we'll just pray that we can draw a gate with her. So 1,000 guineas, she's the equal favourite. Has that been the target with her all the way along this campaign? Yeah, we uh, had her up and trialling, I think, in about February or March and, and we thought that of her then um, and the program wasn't set in stone as to when it was going to be, so we weren't sure whether we should be pushing on or putting her in the paddock. Um, but uh, at the moment, it all looks, out, it looks like it's worked out pretty well. Do you work her with attrition at all? Nah, they stay separate. She's uh, a, a filly and he's a colt. And, um, we try and keep him away from the fillies at home. And, um, yeah, I mean, she does give you a very good feeling. Track work, she always has. Um, she she uh, was doing everything very well as a young horse, but uh, a very lucky horse. And, and um, you know, we had to do a lot of things with her to, to try and educate her and, and uh just switch her on, but um, you know, around other horses and in a race, she looks she looks like a, a true professional now. She's by Exosphere. They uh, haven't leapt into the into the frame as yet. What was the backstory with uh, with Skybird? Yeah, we bought her from the classic sale. Um, new clients that have come to the stable uh, through other clients, and, and just said we, you know, want to want to get back involved. Um, you know, there's, there's a fam, there's a couple of families in, or a few families in this horse, and, and they they were the main ones to come to Scalzo's, and and um, it was that year that, that prices were through the roof. It was very hard to buy, but um, we typically just try and buy athletic horses, and and the pedigree, um, you know, either means we can afford them or we can't afford them, and um, 
you know, this year. Not, not red hot, but, um, yeah, he looks like he's left a nice one here anyway. She's worth a bit more now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, they're, they're, uh, the other two that I, I bought for them uh, haven't proven too much yet, but uh, this one's making up for it. Big week for you, uh, Golden Eagle. Uh, when does uh, Attrition head up to Sydney? Yeah, he'll go up with um, Platinum on a truck on Thursday night, arrive there Friday morning. I'll meet him there, be there for, be there for uh, the weekend, and um, the, the team will take care of the rest of the, rest of the horses at home. What's the ideal um, scenario for him on Saturday in Sydney? Uh, he was so good winning the Turak. Um, do you want to get a nice soft barrier? Um, are you confident Sydney way of going and how the week looks like it's going to play out? Yeah, we've got to get through a, um, a final gallop tomorrow morning and, and uh, hope he comes through that well and, and um, you know works well and, and we have a good week. But, um, yeah, we, we've had a, a couple of gallops the uh, Sydney direction and he's handled it really well. So, um, yeah, we just we haven't had a lot. A lot of luck with barriers but uh, lately, but it'd be a good time to turn it mm. around now. No doubt about that. Are you taking, um, is it George, your little boy up? Yeah, Megan George will, will be along for the ride. Well, um, they're, not, they're not missing out on much at, at the moment. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to just organise. George has obviously got um, some difficulty, difficulties with his hearing and you have to nominate a charity um, for the Golden Eagle. So we're trying to get the, um, the paediatrics... Hmm. Uh, at Grampian's Health and, and specifically, um, you know, try and fund some, some better testing for, for the um, infants when, when they're born. Um, they sort of had a few outdated machines there, so hopefully um, we can get that all organised this week and um, it'll be, a, it'll be a, pretty, uh, a cause pretty close to, to, um, to our hearts anyway. Oh, that's beautiful. That'll be absolutely magnificent. Well, he's been the lucky charm the last few weeks, George. I've loved seeing the, the post-race family celebrations. Yeah, it's been great to have the kids down there. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, they're probably at the age now where they're going to remember it for the rest of their lives, and they've got a few mementos to, to go with it. And um, yeah, it's uh, great to have them involved. That's for sure. Well, well done. Good luck with the build-up this week. Um, from winning Group Ones and big races at Burnie Valley, you're at Benella today. Do we follow the stable in with Star Honor in the second? Um, yeah, she'll go there and run well. Um, I'm on the way there now. Um, She's just a very big, gross mare, and um, probably uh, when she gets the third and fourth up in the prep, she'll uh, get her straps, and it actually looks like a, a quite a strong maiden there today. Good on you, Mitch. Well done again. Thank you. Uh, it's time for the 10 o'clock news. We'll take a break. We've still got more to talk about. There's been a few SMSs about militarise. I've got some news there coming up. Uh, we'll also chase just confirmation. Amelia's jewel, I think they are going to go to the Golden Eagle after that piece of work last week. Um, Simon Miller said that he thinks she is back. We want to talk about Equinox and a few other racing issues. Keep those SMSs coming. More after this. On RSN's Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict. Welcome back to The Verdict. Clint Hutchinson, Maddie Stewart here answering your questions, giving opinions. There's a few SMSs and opinions coming through on the machine. Double Trigger was immoral, as were Oscar Schindler, Yates, Septimus and Doville Legend. It seems like morals don't have a great record in the Cup from overseas. Half of them were cart horses that were winning <laughs> 4,000 metre races. Uh, I think the more we've had them, the more we learn what the right ones are, and maybe Valban is the right one. But I remember Dave used to saying a while ago that he thinks he might be too slow. Oh. Mm. Okay. Nothing wrong with being on the ground here in form. Yep. 
you know, maybe internationally bred, but locally, locally yeah. trained and set for the race. Yeah, I wouldn't put you off backing one of those. That's for sure. It's uh, you know where you're at, and let them come and bring their best. Even if some superstar was here, sight unseen, you're still not confident. You've got to see something, don't you? Like yeah. that, like we. Well, at least with the Turnbull with uh, Romantic Warrior, we could kind of work out the little things yeah. that had to change, you know? So, it's yeah, and, he, and he had to find a few lengths, and he probably has, but he's still off his best, and it's still not easy to do. Mm, That's absolutely. the thing. He's run off where he can where he can run to, but and it's been good enough. But it's not easy to go anywhere and, you know, win those races, is it? Uh, any race for that matter, no. but particularly the Cup. It's getting, hey, it's getting easier, I think, but it's still not easy. Hey, boys, how do you think breakups going after the Caulfield Cup run is a question from one of our listeners. I think out to the 3,200 metres, mm. big track at Flemington, I think he could improve a lot out of that Caulfield Cup. And, and that's the form lines that we were talking a little bit yeah. before we saw Mark, with Equinox. Mark Zara, I reckon he was perfect about how he summed him up just before. He said he'll improve a little bit. Mm. He just wasn't good enough to think he's going to explode and be a, mm. a top four chance. So I think Zara's got his handle on it. And um, I don't think he's scared of break up improving six lengths. No, I tend to agree. I think if you're following the form from that race, the the ones at the pointy end of the field are the it does, ones that you, it, 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 it does seem that like the way that you want to play. Just on um, that little quip that um, uh, Mitch Friedman made about how great it was to be at the Velodrome and with all that drama, uh, you know, with, with the way Mooney Valley is, it is interesting in a bigger picture. We got a lot of SMSs yesterday about it, about people wondering whether with only two more Cox plates to be run, what the experience of the new Mooney Valley will actually be like, whether it's... Well, we've seen the, the artist impressions and all that sort of thing, and it's going to be knocked over, realigned, longer straight, down the, the school side, and a bit of a... It reminds me a bit of the... The artist impression reminds me a bit of the uh, the pavilion look that the MRC's hoping they can afford to pay for. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see if... Because Mooney Valley is... If it's identified by one thing, it is the Cox Plate circuit mm. and the Cox Plate, um, you know, signature points of the school and all that sort of stuff and the rush to the first turn. And I can't think, Hutchie, you've been more around the world. I can't think of any other major racetrack in the world that has been rebuilt on the same site to look completely different and not retain there. So they're, they're actually... Happy Valley was redone. Was it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. okay. And I don't think it... It made a huge difference for the investment, to be honest. It yep. was pretty much the same sort of tracker. But this, I, I must admit, with Mooney Valley, I, I'm really hoping they don't lose what they've got. Yeah. It, it, with yep. that atmosphere, with what you have, and maybe it'll be better. Who knows? I, I, I don't think we know until, unfortunately, you know, we can step out onto the new course. But it is something special. Mm. I mean, that atmosphere, the buzz in the crowd. Run it at Flemington and, and it doesn't have it. And I, it does not have it. I do. I think I, I, I was, when they announced they were going to sort of change all that track, you think, oh, it's so good the way it is mm. now. But sometimes you do have to change. Have, are they changing? Is the dramatic change because of the um, apartment, facilitating the apartments so that they're, are surrounding they're, it? They're or? turning the track. So what is now the straight will be... The um, out of the yep. out of the home, the new home turn um, side, and so basically, wh where you see the horses run down the school side now, that will be the new home straight, and the grandstand will be along that. So side. why are they doing where it? the current grandstand is? Mm. Is where I believe the apartments will continue to be built there. So, right. so it's it's um, to facilitate the commercial. Activity? Well, I think they have more space right. for the new grandstand. Yep. Maybe a slightly longer straight. Um, on that other side, 
where it will be built. What's your gut feeling about whether we're going to lose or gain? Well, I don't really know until it's built. I mean, you have a look at the master plan. It all looks good. And I'll be brutally honest, um, it's limping towards the last Cox Plate. Like, it was, uh, you know, it's half a development zone. They had 21,000 people there on Saturday. It was a great atmosphere. Uh, where I was, they'd lost power pretty much all day. There were a number of areas in Mooney Valley where the power went out, the tellies went on, you couldn't get a bed on the tote, which in certain areas they were able to um, rectify. In other areas, it didn't. You had to wander through different areas. It's old, it's tired, yeah, and the I grandstand. Think, well, that, that might be the, the grandstand side of it as well, but outside of that, even I think the turf track, I mean, has that been... Uh, I don't know. Even has, the track manager says it's, like, it's limping towards yeah, exactly. the end as so well. That, and that's a, that is an issue. I mean, we're at there most Friday nights and there is a, a pat more often than not. So, you know. Uh, Money Son and his crew have done a good job to hold it together a- the way he has. Absolutely everything they can with what they've got, I, I think. so. It's interesting what's going on. That's happening at Mooney Valley and then Caulfield's doing their own thing. And then that announcement this week of the merging of... Cranbourne and, and yeah. Pakenham and, and what that actually means. Like, I, I know that it sounds like, oh, well, we're administratively under one umbrella and so on, but they're only 30 minutes gate to gate. And what does it mean for, does one take premium status? Do, do they gain metro status in the in the southeast? And what does that mean for... That would be a the, step towards it, surely, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it has to mean that there's a... that that. But what does it mean for Sandown? It still lingers the question if, they, if they're formulating this metro status track in the south east it probably makes it easier for the decision makers or whoever to say well then we could take one out because we've built one up so the future of sandown's tied into this i i, I feel you know it just feels that way you know so um i don't know i don't know whether maybe packing because it's rated one of the top three racetracks in australia that the turf track does it take um uh, Metro um, premium status. Does Cranbourne slightly take a back seat with the night racing? Do they both retain lights? Well, we've got All the secondary track things. at Caulfield, which will be opening up early next year as well, and there'll be lights that are going the to be. Reports are really good with that in a track Absolutely. at Caulfield. People are saying it's you know there's a lot of uh, that I haven't walked it, but people I know have, and uh, I know Turfy was one, yeah. and he was saying Turfy looks was fantastic. He was pleasantly surprised mm. by what he thinks. It looks a lot more spacious than what a lot of people had been thinking uh, when they hear it's an inner track at Caulfield. Still got to wait and see. Proof will be in the pudding once we start racing. There. Well, that's exactly good. right. Well, <laughs> if they get lights there, they got lights at the, the new Mooney Valley, they got lights at <laughs> Packenham and Cranbourne. I'm just interesting to think over the next 10 years, something's going to have to give somewhere. Yeah, I would. I think at the sport in general, will move to that time slot a lot more, won't mm. it? I mm. mean, night time. Yep sport when people can digest it. And it was an interesting media briefing we had with Andrew Jones the other day where they are very, very up on the steel about training times because if they move everything to a, you know, when the appetite for punters is afternoon and evening, they need it to work at the other end. They need the trainers to, to, to actually accept that they have to start training later in the day because the whole clock's going to get pushed back. So, And they can't keep ending night meetings at 9 o'clock or whatever to appease the trainers because it makes no sense. You might be able to take out a trainer's licence, Matty. Yeah, it suits my, it suits <laughs> yours and my <laughs> night cat time frame. So I just think there's a lot at play here because for, in order for RV to ac- make it acceptable for everyone that we're going to race a lot at night, and look, Caulfield, Mooney Valley, Pakenham, Cranbourne... Um, then they have to convince them to get out of bed later or else it's none of it's going to make sense. So I think it's an, an inevitability down the road, isn't it? I mean... Don't I, give I, the trainers a choice. Make them start Well, later. I think that's... You're not going to have everyone 
rowing in the same direction because it's everyone wants to look you after can't. their own. Just um, won't happen. Exactly. I was actually tra- so, chatting to Troy Corsons about it the other day. We did a function and without betraying confidences, he, he said, it's not about my dad and it's not about trainer A, B and C. It's about the next generation. Don't give them a choice. Yeah. Tell them this is when you're starting, you know. Well, it's happening in New South Wales. They're having later starts. I mean, there is the opportunity to say um, we can open up a little bit earlier, but this whole theory, well, we've got to get first use of the grass. We don't want to be on it after, you know, 100 horses have worked. So we get up early, we get the first use of the track. See, oh, Michael, you did give compliments to New South Wales. You better send that text back to that, uh, that text. Well, hang on. I've got a better one. I've got a better one that's come through here. Which just the CEO's shows... currently advising Joe Biden, apparently, in uh, as if the Trump era wasn't bad enough. <laughs> put a, if it's put New South Wales first, it'll be put, Joe, it's put America first. Don't worry about it. Uh, well, here's one. This shows the diversity of our listeners. Felgate has no idea on racing. All he does is promote the Eagle and Peter Volandi's... Uh... Oh. I don't think the listeners are aware win. of some you of the scars win. we wear mutually about win, our experiences with uh, Joe Biden's, mate. Uh, just to, on a, uh, an important note, there is an SMS here saying, hi, guys, have you got an update on uh, the shocking fall that occurred in New South Wales yesterday? There was a terrible fall at Taree. Uh, I do have an update. Uh, so Courtney Vanderwerf has a fractured clavicle, no other injuries. Uh, she was discharged from hospital last, last night. Jeff Penza... 10 fractured ribs, a punctured lung, internal bleeding and concussion was admitted to the ICU last ICU last night and remains there. And Lachlan Scorse is uh, still and remains in an induced coma, re, a severe brain bleed and was airlifted to the uh, John Hunter Hospital in Newcastle. So for Lachlan Scorse especially and also Jeff Penzer, um, there's a lot of fears and our fingers are crossed that everything... Um, he's only a 19-year-old uh, young Scorse who began riding four months ago. So he was the first one that fell and then they all came over the top. It was it was a horrific-looking um, accident yesterday. It was. And i tell you what was extraordinary to look at was Celine's big adventure on oh, the weekend. We've, we've got some audio of this. Yeah. So Celine Gaudry went over to New Zealand. She had a great day, um, a successful day, but she whiz, she had a near nasty incident. Uh, have a listen to this. Oh, Liberon has almost ended up in the outside fence here. She's going to go through the outside rail. Sensation, she's thrown it away. And Pinderbell's made the lead from Tulsi. Running on Molly Bloom and Mary Shan and Pinderbell in front. And Pinderbell will win the soliloquy. An incident packed soliloquy. And so she was about to have another winner there. I think she had a double on the day. But when you have a look at that head-on that was put on um, social media, um, the, the swiftness and I suppose the... Um, angle that the horse mm. took off at right angles. It's a remarkable she remained on the on the horse, but then you see the buckling of that plastic running rail. Thank God it was and, a plastic running and, rail. And what she took out, it was very very lucky it, indeed. Isn't that when you see how great they are as horse yeah. men and women? They're the like Aaron oh. Carew in that legendary situation in New Zealand. When you when you gain utmost respect for them is. A situation like that where all of her pony clubbing, all of her equestrian training, all of her everything kicked in. And she did ride two. That would have been three. I actually backed her in the last at $17. She's actually over there with her partner, Ethan Brown. And they're having a bit of a chill out now, I think. And uh, I'm hoping to get her on a bit later on, but she's wiped me as usual. (laughs) 
<laughs> She's, oh, there's a line there, but I won't use it. Um, yeah, amazing athleticism from her. And when you shift ground like that uh, uh, abruptly, um, it's amazing to stay in the saddle. So thankfully, there was nothing serious to come out of it. But what a great opportunity that was given to her. Like all these rides I mean, and an appreciation. Appreciate. She had a nightmare with her um, passport. She was telling me. She's like, oh, I've got to get this. Um, but how good is she? She's great. Yeah. She's a great jockey. She's the next, you know, there's a few of them around, these female jockeys, and she's walking in the footsteps of Jamie Carr, I think. Well, there's a few SMSs about Jamie. Uh, unfortunately, at the moment, um, Jamie's not getting the rides, and she hasn't been riding the winners that we're used to. So, I mean, I know there has been a lot of talk about did Jamie Carr come back too early? Well, she's the only one that can determine if she feels right to ride. But she hasn't had much luck since she's come back and there's probably been a, a few rides that wouldn't be at the normal Jamie Carr standard. Did never ride in a Cox Plate. Only had a handful of rides on Cox Plate Day. Tuvalu was the only fancied one of those. So, gee, it can change quickly, can't it, Hutchie? Yeah, it can change very quickly. And I think... We're you know, if you're looking at it honestly, she's not at the level that she was before she had the uh, the fall. When that will come back, who knows? Is that based on her actual riding or the results? Oh, just the results, I mm. think. And mm. I think, and even even in terms of you know, you see her, she was brilliant out of the out of the barriers. Is she having that effect rating them? Um, look, uh, ultimately in the results though, Maddie. But you know, what a talent and. In the fullness of time, we'll work out whether she's come back a bit early. But there's been a lot of riders that have come back early with with sort of head injuries or head trauma, and you know at the time they feel okay, and then they look back and they say, "Yeah, I did. I came back too soon." Well, when you say things can change uh, quickly, but they can change for the better quickly, but they can change for the worse quickly too. Like she was, to my mind, the, the best ride I've ever seen, and then she has the injury, and now there's Blake Shin, Mark Zara, Ben Mellon. They're all there, and they're all as good, you know. So. How difficult, and then then her, maybe there's a bit of self doubt and a bit of drop on the lip because that, yeah. she's not. You know, all these factors well, might the, combine. It'd have to affect your confidence, wouldn't mm. it? When you're not sort of getting the results that you're used to. I don't. I don't know the answer to it. To, I mean, who would? I mean, like you said, perhaps only Jamie can answer that. And you've got to ride yourself back into form. Um, do you, uh, is she better off? I suppose the question is: she better off taking a break just to get a little bit of clarity for a couple of months, and maybe then come back when you might be uh, a little well, bit better? Or I'm not sure. I really yeah. don't know. At the same time, Ethan Brown had his fall and he just went, nah, I'm just, all for all different reasons, I'm yeah. not ready. And she had a really serious head trauma. That's so. the thing. I mean, mm. we're not privy to the ins and outs of it all, really. We're sort of judging one aspect of it. And I, yeah, I think it's up, you know, it's purely up to her. And hopefully, I mean, what a rider. Let's, let's put it back. I mean, how, like you said, she was as good as there was in the country. And went over to Hong Kong, had a huge success from a that couple of rides. That was a huge little period yeah, over there, wasn't it? she was just, she's world class, simple as that. And she's yep. not where she was, but hopefully she's back well, very Well, I mean, soon. she's uh, had three winners from her last 50-odd rides. And yeah. previously, her strike rate was around about the 20, 22%. Well, Got to get on the yeah, saddle, though. Yeah, though, but you yeah. say all that. I mean, look, just to put it into context as well, like Zach, Zach rode four winners in Hong Kong yesterday. He was going at 6%. For his last fifty, leading into the meeting, he's turned it. You know, they mm. can turn it around quickly, and I would have argued he wasn't probably on top of his game either. So he's bounced back quickly. So these things do happen, and you know, the class is uh, as permanent. And, and Celine's just, uh, manager has just texted me saying her first Group One ride will be in the Derby on Bulawayo for Pat Carey. So. Oh, brilliant! That is great. And just on jockeys coming back, uh, just got a text message to remind me, uh, Michael Rod. Good to see Michael Rod back riding on Saturday. 
he had his first ride in two years. Um, I think he finished fourth. So he's a jockey that's been on the sidelines for a long time. Melbourne Cup winning superstar jockey who's making his way back. So it was good to see him back in the saddle. And if you're wondering what happened to um, Nikita Berryman, she's been out uh, for a while. She did her shoulder a fair while ago and uh, she's, she's going to make a comeback, but she's, she's done her shoulder. Uh, SMS here. Hey, Michael, do you know who's riding absurd in the cup? That's from Winkers. Well, I think it's Zach Purton. Zach Purton, I believe, is yep. riding it. So yes. he is on the Willie uh, Mullins stable mate of the favourite. A few other SMSs. John from Heathmont. The key to the new Mooney Valley truck, a track is it must have an uphill home run. Otherwise, it may turn out to be a front runner's paradise. Um, there's another one here. I think Mooney Valley, as it is, is great for one race a year. The new track will be better all year round. Uh, with more track. Um, that's Buzz from Brizzy. Another one here saying, uh, boys, nothing wrong with track bias. I love it. Uh, it should be easier to find um, winners. Another one saying, with the shadows at the Mooney... Oh, here we go. I've just lost it as more SMSs come through. Um, hopefully, the new track will mean there are no more shadows at the finish line. Well, I think it it will mean that, the way that the um, the grandstand is and where the sun is. Another one saying, I can't wait until we move to a new Mooney Valley track because I'm sick of having so many hard hard luck stories every time we race at Mooney Valley. Signed, <laughs> signed Jewess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one saying, I couldn't get any phone reception on Saturday. I can attest to that. It's a difficult day when you get a crowd at the races. Is that why you're in a bad mood? <laughs> may have missed out on a few. Uh, <laughs> but... This is a perpetual thing. No power, no phone. How did you cope? Well, you had to wander down to a different area, but that oh. was fine. It was all good. Um, but racetracks have been dealing with this all the time. At yeah. Flemington, at Caulfield, when it's the spring carnival, um, I don't know whether you can bring in temporary phone towers that can you reckon you guarantee could? you have A-grade service, but every year in the spring carnival, everyone's on their phone, which now yeah. is mm. the way people bet. Like, it's in... The uh, I suppose yeah, how much money, interest how of much, the clubs how, to ensure that everyone can use their phone yeah. because you can't get. I'd exactly. imagine a Actually, lot. Us, Neil Wilson was in earlier. It's a good question for him. Is uh, are you ready for? Have you are you going to counteract the um the the wipeout of the phones? Because as you say, Hutchie, like it's not just an inconvenience. It's a the number one money making source on the day is, you know, us poor bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't played the replay. We've spoken about it, but I want to play this before we end. Uh, this was Equinox, who was simply stunning in Tokyo yesterday. Christophe Lemaire says go on Equinox, and he finds the front, and he starts to stretch away. Goes past Gaia Force. Nothing really coming on other than Prognosis out wider, and also Danon Beluga. Equinox past the 200 has a winning margin. He will go on and win. It's by how much? Rattling home just in Palace out wide, and Equinox goes back-to-back in the Tenno show. Equinox Justin Palace. Yeah, back to back in the 10 show. Five straight Group 1 victories. We spoke about the time with Daniel O'Sullivan, and it was the ease, Hutchie. Uh, he just ambled up to them about 300 out Equinox. It wasn't as easy, easy as his sort of win in Dubai, I didn't think, where he, I, I haven't seen a win like that in a while, but strong speed to the eye, canted up and put them away in unbelievable time and I know they had the rolling time as you've mentioned but still when you're when you're knocking a second mm. off and yes it is relative to you know it's a function of how the tracks play on the day but they they have plenty of quick tracks up there and he's he's running some serious serious time wouldn't it have been amazing if because they got a dry track in Paris if he had bowled up in the arc i mean did the, the japanese have got so unlucky with wet tracks there if if equinox had turned up against ace impact 
it would have been almost the greatest race of all time, wouldn't it? When you think about the yeah. ratings of the horses, so well, at least hopefully the, you'll at get least the moon in Japan, and stars they aligning. keep them going longer. Mm. I mean, it seems like Europe they get to three and that's it, they're done. Mm. Like that's well, the, ace impact. A, like a, that's what I mean. It's a killer for the sport. Like yeah. to not have the Westover went as well. Is there a big European hanging around for the Japan Cup? It'd be nice if there was one of those horses that's going to go over there to give us a little measure you, of. You'd, you'd want to be bold to want to head over to Japan and take on Equinox in no, his own backyard, no, wouldn't you? Exactly right. It'd be nice. Uh, he, he, yeah, obviously he's not running in Hong Kong, but it'd be nice if he did a Morris. Yeah. yeah. Would be good. Uh, a couple of SMSs. Hey, boys, why don't you get off your phone and have a bet with the bookies? True. True. But that's just life is that you use your phone. Not many people <laughs> um, bet with cash at the races these days, no. especially the younger generation. Um, all my mates, they're, they're just on, on the phone, on the app. So it's difficult. They want it to be convenient. I think yes. it's one of the big stories in racing historically is the death of the bookmaker, the death of the on-course bookmaker. They're just, you know, when we were going Hutchies, it was, yeah. they were the life, heart and soul of the races. And maybe it's one of the reasons why people don't go anymore because that vibrancy has gone. But... It's just the way things have evolved, and unless they can get a, get tap and go or whatever it is, uh, they're, they're, they're almost like a, a thylacine now, aren't they? <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, a Tasmanian tiger. Correct. Okay, very good. Well, you don't see it, it's not bouncing back anytime quick, is it? Like, no. it's headed one way. No, well, it's not. I mean, the only other thing that the, the sort of on course book is be thinking, like, how can we. How can we be more accessible, I suppose? I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is there. Well, It's very tough in a big corporate environment. And they, to be honest, they put them in weird spots now. That is very true. They're not, this, the, they're not the centre of... Uh, they used to the, be the heartbeat. I have to they? say this, though. There are a few people out there that regularly go on course and they say you get way better odds than you will on the fair or with the corporates if you're willing to take mm. the time and go to the bookies ring, whether it be at Caulfield or wherever it may be, they, they, they reckon you're getting significantly better odds as a consequence. So that is, if you are price sensitive, something you should be doing. I tell you, we should, I've had this weird idea about a retro day at the footy where you, you have one day where you go back to Victoria Park or somewhere and it's 1970s everything, prices, hamburgers, it'd be nice to have a retro day at the races. And then I thought, well, you do. You'd wear your safari suit? No, well, it, the picnics is retro. It is, it's still where the bookies flourish. You know, you go mm. cash, you go to the bookies. And just on that... Alexandra got bowled out on the weekend because of a couple of wet spots. The Ville on Saturday is uh, is where it all starts this Saturday. The what, sorry? Hillsville. Oh, right. Okay. The what, sorry? You've been on the love bus up there. The no, what? when you threw in the Ville, I'm like, okay, no worries. <laughs> so, the, the, I was still getting out so of the cricket. Wanna, I was if, trying to work yeah, out yeah, what If you want to experience uh, old-style um, cash bookie relationships, head up to Hillsville on Saturday. And we're talking to Dave Purcell from Hillsville on the Big V. Uh, very good. Or whatever it's called. Cracking the codes. Uh, it's making it hard for bookies on course when all the big corporates offer a bonus bets, yep. protest payout and the like. Yep. Yeah, but they Back might on. not be for longer, much longer. Just on the bookmakers, there's a bit of a rumbling of a story. Yeah, um, I heard on the rumour file this morning that there's some sort of a thought of some sort of Ponzi scheme hmm. um, that's been operating in racing. And my mail is... Uh, talk to the Victorian Bookmakers Association, they may know a little bit more about it. So that's all I know so far. Not to say it's anything connected to the VBA, but they might. Uh, it might be roughly in that realm that we're, we're investigating. So right. we'll see well, how we go. We'll do a bit more digging on that and have some more with you on that tomorrow, Matty. Uh, last thing we need is another Ponzi scheme in racing. Uh, a couple other... There's uh, a romance about a Ponzi scheme, though, isn't there? <laughs> it's amazing how they just... They never die, do they? No, There's always no, one it, going somewhere. It's funny how racing seems to be... <laughs> 
Uh, Tom Kitten, SMS. Boys, you haven't even mentioned Tom Kitten. Well, unfortunately, he's going to the paddock. I'd love to have seen him back yeah. up in the derby. Great Gee, win. He was Deserved impressive, that, wasn't he? he? Like, he'd been promising to deliver like that, and I think we saw what he's capable of. So, no, super, super performance. And, uh, yeah, we'll see him back in the autumn. Espiona was good in the invitation. I thought Magic Time was also good. Cool, wide without cool cover. Wide. What a weekend for Graham Beck. Yeah, not ideal. Um, just heartbreaking, Luna Flair, because I thought, I thought her run it was very good. I thought, gee, that's a horse that's going to peak on Cup Day, and that was a beautiful um, trial. And then you read that she's broken down and mm. she's going to be retired. So after the heartbreak of last year's Cup morning scratching as well. Then he so nonconformist in the Caulfield Cup. Uh, alcohol free was an improved run in that same race, Hutchie. Yep. Alcohol free, sorry. Mm. So yeah, Hutchie doesn't sure. respond well to when you say alcohol free. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he, he stumbled. Can we go? Yeah. <laughs> what time? You know we have suburbs uh, in this town that are called dry areas. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he moved into okay, Malvern and went. What let, the hell? Let me know and I'll black those one out. Um, <laughs> no, it was I'm not sure. Where are we with that horse? I, I don't know. It came with a big reputation. Ten million dollars. Uh, paid a lot of money for it. The pedigree's out, so it's got that residual value for those who are willing to pay for it. But uh, that's where they're going to need to get it back at this point. Yep. She was she was good enough, though. I wonder whether Gay will have one more crack down here with alcohol-free. and She'd be a, a nice addition to a, a champion's mile, alcohol-free. Absolutely, she would. Absolutely. Uh, SMS here. Um, hey, boys, I'm working at Flemington, and they have put up mobile phone towers. That's Chummy from Footscray. There you go, Chumster. So, good to see. Stop Felgate having a dummy spit on the day. Yeah, uh, I know. He's carried on. <laughs> hey, Hutchie, good to have you. Uh, Very good to be here. Yeah. Uh, our listeners love you as well. Should have seen the scene before because we've got these weird high chairs that tall men like me can't get on. Hutchie trying to get on the high chair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hang was, on. You I nearly got height now. No, no, it's, I'm bagging the chair, not his uh, height. Sounded uh, the like combination you're, you're of, you're of a Hutchie's hikers. average height. He's having, he's having a go at me. Yeah. And the ridiculously high chair. I could kick him chair. in the shins right now, I would, but my feet don't touch the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hutchie, enjoy the build-up. It's going to be a phenomenal uh, week, cup week. Uh, you're going to be a busy man on racing.com. We look forward to watching it all. Yeah, thanks for having me. Can't wait. All right, Matty, uh, I'll see you back here for Cracking the Codes. Yes, yes, yeah. We're going to look at Hillsville, a lot of the other chops and dogs, lots, lots happening. All right, beautiful.